here's the situation. You're a college senior with the ability to pick and choose any topic in the world upon which to write a 100-page thesis paper. Ooh. What topic do you pick and why? Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, I'm going to have to not think about that for now because uh, I really do want to think about that. And I might have to think it through with you when we when we get there. Sounds good. All right, I'm TJ Jagodowski. I'm Rush Howell. And this is Here's the Situation, a real podcast about hypothetical situations. And this week's theme is Gary Oldman and Theses. Is that... I didn't go. phrase That's it so it sounded Gary like Taylor. the Hemingway book. I, I got all the words right and did them all wrong. It's <laughs> Gary Oldman and Thesis. Theses. Oh. Yeah, theses. Yeah, <laughs> it's got. Uh, you, you, we're, we're right there. Okay. Gary Oldman <laughs> and theses. All right, theses. Uh, yes. So yeah, we'll we'll end on the one uh, talking about uh, theses at uh, in college. At my college, everyone had to write a thesis when they were senior. So we'll come back to that at the end. But uh, uh, for now, we got fair. You know, anything you want, Gary Oldman theses. All right. And and the, the way this show runs is we basically run hypotheticals back and forth at each other that neither of us have ever heard before. That's about all intro needs to happen. Hey, eh, Rush. That's right. Let's let's dig in then. Um, so my first one, Rush. Uh, before we get to the situation, how would you describe Gary Oldman's place in the acting universe? Because I was I was thinking about him like Oscar winner, super well respected, but not one of the first names you off you you always think of when you talk about like generational great actor he's had huge longevity but probably doesn't have the immediate like face recognition certainly that a pacino or a de niro or you know or uh some other british actor that i'm blanking on right now so where would you kind of describe his place amongst in you know in that sphere maybe the ultimate character actor i mean he's uh extraordinarily well respected well regarded as you said but it's almost at this point his chameleon esque nature is so famous you know he used to be underrated as mm-hmm. an actor and then everyone got on board the train of oh my god this gary oldman can be anyone you know like the joke is always like uh, gary oldman is playing <laughs> you your whole life and you don't right. even know it that sort of thing. he was the shark um, in jaws <laughs> right right and so i i for whatever reason rightly or wrongly he was he was not ever deemed like a leading man uh, he, he has played the, the key lead role, like mm-hmm. for instance, in Tinker Taylor, uh, and, and obviously in his Oscar winning turn in, um, as Winston Churchill. So I, I just think of him as, you know, the top, top, top tier of actors, you know, maybe not there for me, at least with like Daniel Day Lewis or Philip Seymour Hoffman or Kate Blanchett or Meryl Streep. But like, I'm not sure I could, I could go on much longer before I would hit Gary Oldman okay. I'm talking about the, the best actors. Great. Then here's the situation. I'm going to name some different fields and I want you to give me the Gary Oldman of that field. Excellent. Cool. Okay, perfect. Of high school subjects. What's the Gary Oldman of high school subjects? I'm going to say physics. Oh, wow. Okay. You, know, you kind of don't get to physics. At least I didn't until late. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they're not a lot of, I mean, I, I guess like the dark Knight kind of changes this, but you know, or maybe air force one or whatever, <laughs> but I feel like, I feel like early in your movie watching career, you're not really like, you don't know about Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, well, who's this Gary Oldman? And then later you're like, Oh man, Gary Oldman. Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah. And the same, the same for me with physics kind of grows on you. And then, and then once you get there, you realize like it, there's a world of depth to it. Very interesting subject. Do you, do you know if he played, did he play like Sid Vicious or something like that ever? Cause I was wondering if, if like, if Gary, if Gary Oldman was ever like a young person's game or if Gary Oldman was always like, man, 50 year olds love Gary, this Gary Oldman, even though Gary Oldman is 28 right now, you know, right. like he's got a little of that, like Michael Chiklis thing going too, where <laughs> yeah. like, like, like Chiklis was 20 and played 50. And then when he was 50, he played 40. You know? I mean, and, and Oldman, it, yeah. I, I don't think he was ever, I mean, again, the, even in the dark night, he's like, he's kind of a stiff as, yeah. as commissioner Gordon, but a very you know likable one. Right. It was like, uh, was it Danny Glover was playing a million when he was 30, right? He was always like, yeah, he was always too old for this shit. Always. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Did you see they might bring back another lethal weapon? I mean, that's unbelievable. Oh, he's anyway. finally too old for this shit. Now, there, there's right. some shit he so, is too old for. Um, his audience is now too old for that shit. <laughs> uh, this, we may, I, I don't know if either of us are super acquainted in this, but I still wanted to throw it into this realm of Disney villains. Who is the Gary Oldman of Disney villains? Hmm. Wow. I mean, he could do them all. He really I mean, could. He really could do them all. Just like, as I, I was saying I, this he, to you, I thought he'd be a great Prince John in um, in Robin Hood. He would he would kill that role for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's not many villains that I don't think Gary Oldman can play. Like Jeremy Irons was obviously terrific as Scar, but like you're telling me, Gary Oldman wouldn't have made that incredible. No. I'm sure he would have. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gary Oldman. They could have animated uh, everybody else and let him actually run around live in that in an in a lion suit, and Oldman would have sold it. Yeah. He would have, yeah, we call that like it. a reverse reverse Roger Rabbit, <laughs> right. where instead of the uh, the rabbit's a cartoon and everybody else is a human, you get it reversed. Everybody, everybody's cartoon, except yeah, I you know, I, I mean, Gary Oldman, he he's so interesting to me that I could see him being. Doesn't like Cruella Deville have like a put upon husband who like is barely barely in, in those uh dalmatian movies i, if, I don't if, know if so he's 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 been gobbled up he she ate up the scenery and her husband in my mind is i yeah. don't remember him <laughs> I, I mean you could even throw him in that role where he's just he's, he's just in the background and he's like yes dear you know but he would still make it like interesting um but so yeah, who's the Gary Oldman of, of villain? Of I'm gonna say. Oh, he'd be a good Hook too. I'm just thinking now too. He'd be a fine Captain Hook. Yeah, he'd be great as uh, the Beast in Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. who's not, of course, a villain. But yeah, but he'd bring ways. the proper pathos to that for sure. Yeah, yeah, he'd be great. So the one that jumped in my mind first though was Scar from The Lion King. Great, great. Um, this next one is a, a, an enormously wide open category. Things that are green. What is the Gary Oldman of things that are green? Oh, interesting. Um, maybe golf course because oh. he's uh, he can blend in <laughs> range. The, uh, scenery, or he can stand out. It can be uh, massive can range be like... too, man. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Well, I'm certainly not changing my. Opinion. <laughs> he, he is a he's a golf course with a phenomenal practice facility. <laughs> All right. True, truly a massive range. How about uh, rock bands? Who's the Who's the Gary Oldman of rock bands? Probably something like the Pixies. 
you know, cool. like an influential kind of important band, but that doesn't have as much wide, widespread acclaim as, uh, <clears throat> you know, as a whatever. A band's but, band, you know, a band's but, band kind of thing, you know? Yeah, band's band. How about Serials of Serials, Gary Oldman? Ooh, we're, hmm, interesting. We're going to come back to Serials uh, in multiple uh, future episodes. Um <laughs> Gary Oldman of Serials. Uh, I'm going to say Honey Bunches of Oats because mm-hmm. Honey Bunches of Oats is not a sugar cereal. It's a, you know, theoretically pseudo healthy cereal. Right. But it's quite tasty. It sure is. quite sweet and can, can sneak in there and surprise you. That's been my go-to of late. And they've made a frosted Honey Bunches of Oats, which is quite sweet, but uh, but it's it's really good. And still, yes. Makes you think you're doing something right for yourself by yeah, by having absolutely. It. How about the Gary Oldman of Grill Meats, specifically meats for the grill? Okay, you know I was just I was just talking about so so. Let me ask you to pivot it off me for a second. <laughs> who who is the cheddar bratwurst? Which actor fills the cheddar bratwurst role? John Goodman. Okay, John Goodman. So to me, like the yeah, the king, the king Ralph of uh, of, uh, of of grill meats. I because we were talking about the cased, you know, cased sausages or cased meats, basically the other day, and you know, kind of what the hierarchy of that is. I don't think it's enough of those to do a, a full draft on it, but we could have right. a, a grill meat <laughs> draft at some point. I hope kielbasa um, kielbasa had to be close to the top of the cased meats yeah uh for me it's the cheddar brat okay um but i think there's you know you got about 12 sausages they're all like kind of knocking around up there pretty good is it a huge um, fall until brat hits the list for you is it a is it a, a walk through a lot of other stuff or does, does it basically go cheddar brat a uh, brat or is it cheddar brat a bunch of other stuff then brat around seven yeah, I mean, uh, it probably wouldn't be too much lower, okay. but like, if I'm gonna, like, if I'm if I'm take if I'm gonna go ahead and be like, all right, it's time to eat unhealthy. I, like, throw please put the cheddar in that brat. Like, I love those, <laughs> I absolutely love them. Um, but if I'm saying the the Gary Oldman, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm gonna say like he's he's like a really He's like a high quality lamb chop. Ooh. It's uh, kind of a surprise. Like you go over to somebody's house and they're like, I'm making lamb chops on the grill. On the like, grill. But yeah. What? You're doing what now? <laughs> and, um, you know, I, 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 I think that's in my head because I went to a guy's house a few days ago where his specialty is lamb chops on the grill. No kidding. Which intrigued me. And Gary Oldman's intriguing. So here's, here's the there last one. And this one's kind of weird. Uh, granted, it's a weird one. Who's the Gary Oldman of actors? Yeah. That's, um, that's the last category, actors. Who's the Gary Oldman of the acting world? Uh, maybe like Cillian Murphy. Okay, great. I hear you. Um, not sure that's who I'm going to stick with long term, but if I'm looking for like somebody who's got like a possible... Gary Oldman vibe in the long run. Uh, I don't know. Well, there's a guy um, like Aaron Taylor Johnson or something. 
that, that's his name, I think. Maybe that's not quite right, but it's three names. And he was in that like uh, he was in that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal and, and Michael Shannon and uh, Amy Adams. Um, I'm sure our, our listeners. Oh, uh, something. Don't know what I'm talking. Nocturnal Animals. Yeah. Okay. He was in that, and he played like a just an absolute. Oh, he was the uh, creep. Uh, yeah, creep. Okay. Guy. Gotcha. And then he, he, but he's he's done all sorts of stuff, wide range of, of stuff, and then apparently he's got an interesting role upcoming in uh, in the new uh, Nolan movie. Oh, okay. So um, maybe that guy's a little bit of a chameleon. Maybe because uh, it's probably like I probably didn't know Gary Oldman's name until Gary Oldman was like forty. You know, or thirty-five or forty, but he probably did fifteen things already. So maybe it would have right. to be a guy like who we barely know his name, or like he's already done five things that you've seen him in, and you still don't know his name yet because uh, he's been so different. You might not even realized he was the same guy or whatever, and and you will only ten years from now find out his name, and be like, oh Christ, I've been seeing this guy forever. Yeah, sticking on that that same theme and talking about Tenet again. Um... The uh, the woman in that you know, there's a British woman in that uh, who apparently Nolan was like wasn't willing to cast her because he wanted a British person to uh, to play the the role and it, she was so good in like the three or four four movies he had seen where she was never playing somebody from from Britain <laughs> that he thought she was American. <laughs> oh, that's so, like, great. She was, she, she's like the tall uh, white girl in uh, in Widows. If you saw Widows. With like Liam Neeson and Viola Davis. Oh, I did see um, it. I don't know if I remember her, but I, yeah, I did see it. I'll see any yeah. movie about revenge. Uh, that that is my that is my absolute promise. I'll watch any revenge movie. Yeah, and not only that, it's also a heist and like a long con. I mean, it's got a it's got like three of your five. You know, it's it's checked in a lot of Jagodowski boxes. It's got three of the five things that I'd like to write a hundred page thesis about. If if uh, you know, like if you're really. <laughs> I think I think we will revisit those things when we get to what I have to write 100 pages on. So, excellent. All right, great. All right, well, we kicked it right off with some uh, some Gary Oldman. Um, we're still talking Gary Oldman and the- theses, um, and you know, Old Man and 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 the Sea, of course, is a Hemingway novel about uh, that guy that goes out and catches the huge fish, but it, it, he's reeling it in forever and. And uh, it, it, it takes him to his doom because he, he won't kind of give up on uh, bringing in this unbelievable uh, sized fish. I've never read it, uh, but I feel like I know the story. And the fish gets eaten up by other fish, right? As he tows it in or something like that? Does the... Yeah, okay. it's, it's, it's a sad... Well, it's, an, it's, you know, it's I'm pretty sure a heavy allegory and so forth. But okay. it's, it's a good story. Um, but it, it made me think of the classic uh, cliche, almost cliche is not quite the right word, but but the thing when people talk about exaggerating is you know a fish story, right? Okay, like, yeah. Uh, the guy's telling a fish story. Yeah. So here's the situation: you are uh, you're brought in to the uh, the new cliche division in the uh, let's fix the American language campaign. Okay. And it used to be that uh, catch uh, caught a big one, or you know. Bringing in a big fish was the classic example of something where everybody exaggerates, but they say, you know what, like not that many people fish anymore. Uh, but, and it just doesn't seem like that's the right thing. And so they want you to come up with a few alternatives. They'd love you to give possible three nominations that they can take to their board to try to figure out 
what's going to be the new thing that gets used as as the example where people always tend to exaggerate. So we're we're looking for other situations where people uh, tend to lie about stuff, white lie about stuff, exaggerate about it. Okay. You know, whatever reason. Okay, here here are my three. I'm going to leave out how far people can drive a golf ball. I'm going to leave that that out because I don't think it's across the board enough. But but people will always be like, I must have hit that 280, and then you walk it off, and it was about a buck ninety, you know, like but yeah. like oh that had to be three something, you know. So I'm not going to do that. Um, people love to fudge. T- uh, I, I might give you four. Hold on. Uh, yeah, I, they'll take as many as you want to give. Okay, here's here's things that people like to fudge. How either long or not long it took them to get somewhere in a car. That they'll okay. be like, so, you know, I, I, from, I went from L.A. to Vegas in like two and a half hours. Uh, you know, but they don't count the time, like, really from their driveway. They count like, eh, a little bit on the highway already, you know, and like, and we'll rule out the stop they made or or whatever. And, and then kind of like by the time they could see one of the buildings and not actually got, you know, like to the hotel or whatever, like, so, but they would have had to have driven like 160 miles, not, you know, like nonstop the entire time. So people love to do that. Um, here it, I have, I am. Is that, yeah, is go that ahead. Because is that a creature of the fact that people are often late and, and use traffic and, and car times as a way to lie about why they were late? I, I, I think it's, I think it's just a little bit of, I, I think either way, longer or shorter, it's just a little bit of self-aggrandizing, I think. That like oh, for sure. how cool, how cool that I flew that you know, I, I got there that fast. Or it was twenty seven hours we were in that damn car, you know, like yeah, yeah but that you're including everything, including the time you slept, you know, like <laughs> right. it's right. I, I think it's just a little like people want to have either done something phenomenal or gone through a tremendous hardship, you know. Right. Um I'm six one in my in my socks. I'm sure for sure six one have been for a long time. I cannot tell you how many people have told me they are six foot tall or six one and are three inches shorter than I am. They right. are that everyone adds an inch, two inches to their height. It's all if they they can call it, you know, like your high school program. If you played high school basketball, you you know, I, I would look at the other team and they're like six seven, six four, six, six, two, six, three. There was one guy taller than me, you know, like on the on the whole squad. But in the program, everybody, you know, including the first four guys off the bench were all taller. So that's that's where people absolutely fudge all the time. Do you think people that are 5'10 or 5'11 are more likely to fudge it? Absolutely. So close to that, like, good number. Absolutely. Six being like six is kind of the magic you know, magic number for male height. I don't, well, I'll say that. I don't know if that's true, but that seems to be like the, the number. So I think absolutely, but I am equally sure that five, eight fudges to five, 10 and five, seven fudges up to five, five, nine or whatever, but every, everyone's adding, adding one or, or, uh, or two on there. Um, snowfall. Do you think, sorry, but do you yeah. think the people six, six, two and higher are more, um, more accurate on their height or they still push it like just basically everybody everybody goes a little too high um a good question my guess is they're more likely to go by their regular height but but i imagine you know six two guys want to be want to be six three you know i'd i'd want to be six two i just haven't like 
I just, I have not fudged mine up because I don't want the guy who lies that he's six foot to feel like he is. Nice. You know, yeah, so I've like you're stayed. Holding, you're holding the line. Yes, you're I'm a mile line. long. I'm a mile long, and and that's it. So, um, uh, snowfall. People will fudge snowfall all the time. What'd right. you get? Oh, we got a foot and a half. You know, Rainfall like too. yeah. So that that's that's another one that they can use. Um, what else did I have? I wrote down weight, but I wasn't thinking of someone's actual weight. Wait, I was thinking something else, but. I, th- I think I'll go with those. Driving times, those are great. snow, height. Um, I think th- I think that's a... Well, I'll go with those. Those seem fairly universal. One, one that's odd to me, mm-hmm. but I've never understood it, is people... You, not Maybe not universally, but like a high percentage of people uh, will lie about what movies they've seen for no reason. Uh-huh. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I've done it. Like, I, I don't, I've just been like, yeah, I've seen that movie. And then I'm like, I, I don't know why I said that. Do like, you do I, it with ones? I, I, I think I have probably as well, because either like, but, but I think only under these circumstances, it's a movie I should have seen. I'm not going to do that with Air Bud. You know, it's going to be more right. like Gone with the Wind. And I think I've said it because I've seen enough clips and think I know the story well enough that if we're going to talk about it on a fairly superficial level, I can hang with the conversation. You know, like right. you don't need right. to give me a 10 minute synopsis of everything that that happened because like I don't think we're going to get that deep into the subtleties of it. So maybe I do it just as a, like a conversational shorthand to let's say like let's keep going on this, you know, like yeah, that makes sense. That makes, and then there's just some part of it where it's like for some odd reason I just didn't want to say no, I haven't seen that, and then have to address the whatever comes from that yeah part of the conversation, <laughs> which would likely be okay. Well, then let's talk about a different. Movie. Right. But for some reason. For some reason I, um, you know, like I'll get those lists. It'll be like these, uh, how many of these 100 TV shows have you seen? Yeah, right. And I, I have to like push back against myself a little bit because I'll be like, mm, yeah, I think I've seen that one. And I'm like, what, what do you mean you think you've seen it? Like you've either seen it or you haven't seen it. Like, and you, you probably know if you've seen uh, you know, I've seen three episodes of Amen, but is that enough for me to say I've seen Amen? You know, oh, like... I've, I've seen I've seen a lot more than three episodes <laughs> of Amen. Uh, all right, Rush. So this this one's pretty pretty philosophical, and this came from the C and thesis as well. So um, uh, here's here's your situation, Rush. As a younger man, I stood at night alone at the beach at Cape Cod, and and so like. There was the vastness of the ocean, the, you know, all the grains of sand, innumerable like stars in the sky. And it was glaringly obvious to how small I was, you know, in the in the in the large sense of the world. But also I was there and felt like I'm also important because I'm the one who's seeing this and taking all all this in or I've been chosen to to have this this moment. Um, We are both told that we are here to serve one another but that we can't change anyone. To believe we can do anything, but we can't control anything. To know only oneself, but also to be egoless. To leave a mark on the world, but all things fade. So here's the, the, the actual situation, Rush. Can you develop a thesis as to what your or an individual's place is in the universe 
and also in relationship to our fellow person, to our fellow humans? What's our place in all this? <laughs> well, that's easy. <laughs> so uh, just that. The, I wanted to get that one. I didn't want to start with that one, and I didn't want to have that one close to the finish. So you're getting it yeah. right in the cozy two-hole where you really get the heavy, the heavy duties. The rest will be a lot right. easier than this. All right, I let mean, me ask you this. I'll ask you like it this way. The, What's the Gary Oldman of the meaning of life? You know, yeah, like, let me ask exactly, it that way. Exactly, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess you're basically asking what's my philosophy as to kind of the meaning of life. Um, I, I guess I start with saying, you know, regardless of whether we have any meaning in the broader picture, which obviously there's all sorts of uh, deeply held beliefs um, in many different directions on that. I think it's unequivocally true that we have uh, at least a temporary and powerful impact on uh, the small spheres of influence that, that we come across, right? Like we, our friends and our family, we have a dramatic impact on, um, you just suffered a personal tragedy and your, your dog, you know, passing away. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, that, that had a, tremendous impact on you right yes. um here and you know likely will for quite some time and then there'll come a time where you only occasionally think back oh yeah that was this dog that i had in my 40s and it was uh it was a great dog and you know so so the fact that we can have a dramatic impact on each other's lives seems to me to be important regardless of whether ultimately it's important in any way, shape or form, right? Is it important because there's an afterlife and in the afterlife you get to reconnect with those that you loved or your afterlife, you will be judged based on how well you uh, behaved with other people or what have you. I think you can kind of set all that to one side and say, regardless of that, it, it seems, it seems obvious to me at least that, that part of uh, what we're to do with the time that we are given is to um, is to make uh, life better for uh, those around us, and therefore, you know, creating the virtuous circle where they have that same impact with us. So, so I think in, at the core of, of kind of my my thoughts on you know how I ought to try to live my life and what I ought to try to do and why it all makes matters at all and why I shouldn't just, you know, play video games 18 hours a day or whatever. Um, not to, you know, I look, I love video games, so I'm not like <laughs> casting aspersions, but that's, you know, sometimes like sometimes when I get into kind of a funk, like it's, I find that I, I am disconnecting, you know, from yeah. everybody. And I'm not having these feelings when I disconnect that are like, Oh, well, it's all meaningless. It's not like, fueled by nihilism but it's it's also not entirely divorced from that right because sometimes you just be like well i mean what does it really matter like my mid-40s like i'm a tiny speck of dust in this universe and so forth so uh so i think i think we have um you know and, and then and then your 
again, this is such a broad topic, but I mean, I think, I think you're, you have what I would view as some sort of, you could call it like a moral imperative or a social imperative or something to, uh, uh, to try to, um, make other people's lives better. Okay. Uh, and, and, and some people describe that as, you know, make, leave the world a better place than, than how you found it. Um, I think, you know, you could take different, different approaches in terms of scale on that. Yeah. I was going to say like, uh, is that like you are your brother's keeper? And if so, then how, how big does that circle go? You know, does that, does that circle just involve the people you're already friends and family with, or does that involve citizens world, you know, the, your, your brothers and sisters around the globe, you know, or, or yeah. I think that's the question. I mean, I really struggle with that one because so I I've done. So, yeah, I mean, some of the, like the charity work that I've done, you, you look at it and you say like, there's a big, there's a big question, almost like a debate within kind of philanthropic uh, endeavors about how to judge outcomes. Right. And what, what matters, um, you know, because there, there are these charitable organizations that are not really scalable, but that do great things for for a smaller group of people. And, and usually those are the ones where you can really see the outcome. So you, get, you, as the, you get socks to the homeless of a particular town, something something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you 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 identify a low income student who would otherwise not be able to get the right mentoring to go to college, but they have the aptitude for it. You mentor them, you, you put in, I don't know, $15,000 a year to help them do that. Okay. And they then go to college and then you can be like, ah, look, I had an impact. Yep. I very specifically. Right. And then other people would say, yeah, that's great. And I don't want to take anything away from that. However, that $15,000 a year gotcha. could be utilized in a much more scalable way that could help many, many more people. That's 15,000 so really, meals for, for, for someone that are, you know, yeah, for a community. Or, or you buy textbooks at, right. for the, the five-year-olds and it's cheaper to do that and you get seven of them in or you train a teacher and uh-huh. that teacher, instead of just creating one good student, creates uh, a pyramid of 30 other teachers right, that they gotcha. taught. And then those teachers can teach thousands of students. But you spent $15,000 making sure there were 30 good teachers instead of making sure there was one good student. <laughs> but you don't really get to see it happen, right? And so I think that same question applies in, in kind of this general, what I would call moral imperative, which is to improve the lives of the people around you to make it, you know, more bearable for us all. Right. Cause we're all like, you know, flitting around on this orb with, uh, with deeply uh, engaged in cognitive dissonance to push out the fact that like, we're all going to die. Right. Yeah. And so it's nice to, uh, to, to do things that, you know, just, uh, make other people's, you know, trips around the globe more, more enjoyable. And so, and so I struggle with, with that same question because I'll, I'll sometimes think, well, look, you know, isn't it better? And, and think about like, I'm sure you have friends who, who would say, look, I, I don't have a ton of friends, 
but but the friends that I have, I have very deep connections with, and that's important to me. I care more about like verticality than than horizontal mm-hmm. approach when it comes to making relationships and keeping relationships. And then other people would say, no, we, you know, to me, it's more important that I, I spread out as far as I can. Like, I, it, what does it matter that I make a few friends of mine happier? I ought to spend right. all my time, um, you know, out doing, doing broader work for broader social causes than my, my own personal happiness. Right. And I think there's, for me, it's, it's a balance of those things, but, um, Dude. you know, I just think everybody's going to make kind of their own determinations when it comes to how they want to spend that time. Do you think that's why we keep the uh, the audience size of this show purposely small so that we can service them more sort of individually and uh, to greater depth than just skimming along the surface of thousands and thousands of them? We can almost one by one affect their lives. That's right. That's right. I mean, if, if you take one of these podcasts and it reaches a lot of people, like they're not really reaching no. them. You know? Because, uh, you know, I mean, sure, you could argue it takes the exact same amount of time to record the show, regardless of audience size. But can you really? Right. Uh, and is there a counter argument to that? No. No. I mean, probably not. So anyway, we should probably just move on. From that. <laughs> Go ahead. Thanks for wrestling with that one. I I, I know that was yeah. as bulky a, a situation as we as as I've presented to you in this entire this entire. It is uh, interesting. I'll just say that I think that. The, the standing or sitting on the beach on a starry night is uh, it's it's not just a cliche like that's a, that's one of those times where you look out and it just makes you think about stuff like that. Like I've had some of my uh, deepest conversations in that in, on these sort of topics at a, at a beach setting and I haven't spent that much of my life at a beach. Yeah, me neither. But it, it does make you it, it, I definitely had and each time since had this simultaneous feeling of being so so small but like but chosen in that moment or important or like i am a human being i'm a life like and and i'm here so there's something you know important about that i'm here too you know like that but 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 i'm one of so many and less than you know than all the everything else i'm seeing there's more of everything else i'm seeing than there are of (laughs) me and those like me you know yeah but uh you know, you're important to the, you know, again, you, I, you know, not to be a downer, but you take it back to like, you know, uh, Josie, you, would, you wouldn't say like, oh, well, you know, there's, who cares? You know, we're just, uh, we're just like, it creates deep feeling and deep emotion and we can do that for each other. And that's like, uh, that's a gift that we have and, and we ought to use it, in my opinion. And if by chance so you gonna, hear, uh, uh, by chance you hear a bark at any point, there was one a little bit earlier, Beth and I are currently fostering a little dog named Karen, who's a, who's a sweetie little pie, who's really turning around the, the image and PR of Karen's the, the country over. She's, she's a she's terrible, a, terrible name. She I hasn't really checked my permits once. She does bark out the window. So it does feel like she is giving the neighbors a little bit of the business, but hasn't asked for a yeah. permit, hasn't stormed uh, out or in uh, of a Walmart or a coffee shop with, you know, with nothing but problems. She's, she's a sweet little thing in case you hear yeah. a bark. Uh, okay, so TJ, we'll, we'll go from that deep one to one of the stupidest um, situations we've ever done on this show. Really, uh, just a, a very odd one that I'm going to do here. <laughs> uh, probably going to lose half the audience uh, who, won't, who won't know what the hell I'm uh, on. But uh, you're on a uh, a game show 
that's called. So here's the situation. Right. You're on a game show. Uh, you're on a game show called Names Almost the Same, and th- this is uh, classic. They pick three people every week, uh, and they bring on a contestant, and they they say which of these three people that have names that are almost the same <laughs> would be the best person to fit into various situations. And th- this week we have Gary Cole. Okay. Gary Coleman. Okay. And Gary Oldman. Okay. So we've got Gary Cole, Gary Coleman, and Gary Oldman. And of course, Ge- the great Gary Coleman from Different Strokes yep. uh, has passed away. So we're going to have to pretend for this episode that he's, uh, he's still alive and kicking. All right. And what I want, what I want is just you to tell me which of those three would be the best to do various things. And okay. then in the second round, we'll come back where you got to give me a perfect situation where. Uh, each of them would be better than the other two. Ooh. You know I mean? All right. I think so. Yes. All right. Who of Gary Cole, Gary Coleman, and Gary Oldman is best to pull off a speed-esque situation as a bus driver where they got to keep a bus above 60 miles an hour until somebody defuses a bomb that's on that bus? Due to his uh, due to his diminutive size, I'm going to immediately rule out Coleman. It's just it's a problem. It's a sight problem and a you know getting to the pedals problem. Uh, so that leaves me Colin Oldman. Of these two, I'm going to go with Gary Cole. I think Gary Cole Gary is Cole. is going to keep it keep his cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, correct. All right, one, you got one for one. So you already, you already made ten dollars. Uh, which of Gary Cole, Gary Coleman, and Gary Oldman would be best to help you forge a passport? Oh, Oldman. Yeah. Oh, for layup. sure. Ab- yeah. Yeah. Absolute, absolute layup. <laughs> uh, Gary Cole, Gary Coleman, Gary Oldman. Who Who do you want taking your best friend's kid to the zoo? Coleman. Spend a day with your Coleman. Coleman. Gary Coleman. Okay. Without a doubt. Right. I think you're. I, I think you're three, three for three. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, uh, you got to go with two of Gary Cole, Gary Cole, Ooh. and Gary Oldman on a cross-country road trip. Who are your two? I think Cole and Coleman. Even Gary Oldman out of the car. I am. Cole, Coleman, and Jagodowski driving cross-country. This is the toughest one, but I, I think I... I think I've definitely seen both of Cole and Coleman's senses of humor on display. And so I think there'd be some laughs. I, I don't doubt that Oldman has one. I just don't can't recall seeing it seeing it at, at work. So yeah, I think Colin Coleman will be will be good. You're uh you're you're heading into the finals of an international contract bridge tournament. It's you and one of Gary Cole, Gary Coleman, and Gary Oldman as your bridge partner. Who do you want? Oldman and I play and win it. We win okay, we play wow. it and win it, man. Yeah. And I don't know how to play yeah. bridge. That's how good he is. I don't even know well, how. It, it, Oldman, he just he, he he plays a character of a great bridge player, <laughs> and he figures it out, nails it. Uh, and uh, finally, before round two uh, of Gary Cole, Gary Oldman, and Gary Coleman, who uh, would you most want to design a fl- uh, to design a flavor with Ben and Jerry? Who? Cole. I'm going to go with Gary Cole. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cole. I think he can kind of put the shit away. I think he's kind of a bigger, bigger, beefy guy. I think that guy sits down with a bowl of ice cream. He's going to want to hammer some. I, I think I think he's had had enough. 
Um, I worry about Coleman's health. I forget what was his kidneys. I, I don't know. I, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure what it, what his situation what his situation is yeah. there. You know. Um, well, he's dead. He's yeah. Dead, but, yeah. Uh, so maybe he deserves ice cream the most. Uh, I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, that's for sure. Right. All right. So now, uh, well done. You, you certainly did well enough in round one to make it to round two. So what I need you to do is give me one situation uh, for each uh, one for each person where you're like. Uh, absolutely, they would be great at it, and the other two would not. And okay. They, that person would clearly be the best. And apologies if I didn't mention, but Gary Cole, you know him from uh, Office Space as the boss. You know him from Talladega Nights as uh, Ricky Bobby's dad. Yeah. Uh, you know him from. He's I don't know, he's been in the Good Wife, people. the Good Wife, and the Good Fight. He had a, a reoccurring role in both of those. Um, so first of all. I got a coach says me and another guy have to take on this two man um, sled, this, you know, like lineman sled. Okay. I'm definitely hitting that with Gary Cole of these three. Gary Cole and I are taking on that, taking on that, that sled. All right. Um, I want someone to, uh, we get, we get pulled over and I want someone to talk, talk their way out of a, out of a ticket. I'm gonna go with Gary Coleman. I think I think he yeah. can. I think he can put on put on the you know the the smile and just be so damn likable. We're getting out of that. We're getting out of that ticket. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. Then, and then yeah, he could do a little what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, throw that in there just for just for giggles and maybe get maybe get the guy off his game. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I'm. Um, me and me and one other are imprisoned, wrongly imprisoned, and you're gonna figure out a way to to get to get out of this to get out of this futuristic prison. Uh, I want Oldman with me. Oldman and I are gonna yeah. are gonna are gonna put our heads together and and figure our way out of this thing. All right, very well done. So there you go. We went from the meaning of life to a game about Gary Oldman. <laughs> Um, this is okay. You know, I'm gonna ask you this one because this is in a way similar to that, but, uh, but not exactly. So I, I have an uncle Gary. And so whenever I hear the name Gary, I think, I think of my uncle and he is a very kind and generous and funny, funny man. He's also the guy who will be late. If anyone is going to be late, it's going to be, it's going to be my uncle Gary. But I was thinking if anyone in your world should be the guy who's going to be late, it should be your uncle. You know, like that's the guy. That's the guy. Is like, yeah, that sounds right. Your uncle is the is the guy who's going to be late. So, um, if oh, like, uh, and I was thinking, like, in the same way, if someone in my life drives a hybrid, uh, I want that to be my accountant. You know, like that. That's the quality I want in the accountant in my in my life. So here's the situation, Rush. I'm going to name some qualities, behaviors, or objects, and I'd like you to tell me the perfect person in your life or the world to have that thing. So it could be someone actual to you, like your brother, your best friend, but it also could be like, well, I don't have a, a private chef, but if I did, I want him to be the one who has this or does this. Cool? Got it. Who's the perfect person in your life that would have a filthy sense of humor? Uh, I'm going to say uh, a friend's uncle. Okay, great. I wonder if uncle's going to work for all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle yeah. might be a. That's but I, good. I, I, I have a specific one. Okay. Mine, gotcha. Uh, where I was in high school, and and uh, my buddy 
Greg had an uncle who would just, and he was like very like, <laughs> he, he had his, you know, he's a guy who had his shit together. He, he had like a successful business and, you know, nice family. And then, uh, he would just, he was one of those guys who would, you're just sitting there and he'd like look at you across the table and just say like something like, some joke that's just like super dirty <laughs> and, and you're and you couldn't help but uh enjoy it and just like kind of crack up because you knew in part that if if you turned around and told everybody he just said that he would just deny it right probably, they probably wouldn't believe you. Uh, that's perfect um how about forgetfulness who's the perfect person in your in your world to be the forgetful one? Oh, uh not a great trait not a, not uh, the best. Not awful. It's not you know. It's not evil. It's just yeah. It's not a but. It's not a great quality to have. Uh you don't want it to be your like, general contractor. No, nope. tell you that. You know, you don't, uh, probably don't want it to be your coworker unless it's the guy who you know does something like restocks the the chips, you know, or something like that. Or like, okay, that knucklehead didn't. We got no chips for an extra day. Yeah, God, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, maybe it, it'd be, um, maybe you're like drama teacher, okay. you know, who <laughs> has got like, it's just kind of out wandering into some, you know, they, it's right. like they start talking about something and then they just go into a story right. about something entirely different. And then 10 minutes later, they're like, what, what were we, why are we here? And you're like, we were doing a scene, you know, Witness for the prosecution. Yeah. Suzanne Rush, get up there. I'm not in this scene. Oh, that's right. I didn't cast you in this, right? Right. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> that, I don't mind that. I'm probably going to enjoy that. Like, yeah. Who's the perfect person in your life to have a hookup to uh, be able to get their hands on a party bus? Oh, um, I mean, I've got a buddy. I don't know if I've talked about my, my friend, Mike McDonald. Uh, who I call the czar. Um, <laughs> but we, we, we had a, uh, the all sports fantasy league does a summit every year. Although this year we, we probably won't, but, uh, at the first ever summit, we were in Las Vegas and I was like, who is, who, who of this group of 15 guys is the one that's going to be most reliable to like nail the logistics of, uh, in, in this particular instance, we wanted to go to the sports book at the at the Mandalay Bay early enough in the day to lock down room for 15 people to enjoy, you know, drinks and watching college basketball for the entirety of the day. And I was like, you know, it's going to be Mike McDonald. And so I called him the czar of the bay. And uh, he outperformed, he outperformed my expectations. My expectations were high. And he outperformed them so dramatically that basically he was, he was given like logistics for – you know, almost everything from from thereafter. I did, just call him bizarre. Did he already have a sense of how? Years. Did he already pre, like already have a preset sense of how to get all these things done and connections, or was he just like able as they came up to like? Because I imagine your expectations weren't outrageous, but that they were you know pretty you know pretty up there. So for him to like even supersede those. Did he just already have enough that much experience putting stuff like that together, or just like the kind of guy who's like, oh, what do we need? Like thirty feet of like of rope? I I know where to get that, you know. I mean, he just he just gets stuff done. I mean, they're just people that get stuff done. Like, 
Uh, I was at my my college reunion a little while ago, and one of my friend's wives, uh, Jason Pariso, his wife Chrissy Chen Pariso, is another person who just gets shit done. And like there was like twenty of us who all wanted a sandwich, and we all would have and should have known we were going to want to go to Hoagie Haven, greatest sandwich <laughs> store in the world. And we're like all sitting around like having a beer. We're like, ah, I guess we got to head out to the Haven. And she's like, what are you idiots doing? I've already ordered, and we have 28 sandwiches right here. And you're like, oh, right, yeah, because you do that. Like, you know, and so the czar is like that. He just, he, uh, he just, uh, it's not like rocket science, but he just, he just consistently uh, thinks what to do, plans well, and then, and then has that, that aspect of his personality. He's not afraid to ask people about, doing stuff and how to get things done and how to accomplish stuff. And he's not afraid to like, you know, go, go do it. So I remember specifically what was great about that was a, he went and like landed us this great spot. And most people would be nervous about like, I got to hold, you know, 15 seats mm-hmm. and people are going to look at me weird and give me trouble. And Zars is very friendly, but also like, he's just not, he, you're not going to, you're not going to rattle the czar. And then, uh, and then he like sub delegates a couple people. And then all of a sudden we've got, uh, we had 30 in and out burgers sitting there ready for us at the, um, at the, at the Mandalay Bay. And it was great. So the czar of the Bay is the one you want to have the party bus hook up. Well, he's done it for me. Okay. And, and when we, when we took a party bus, we took a party bus from New York city to Atlantic city. The unbelievably, the, uh, the driver, like the door broke on it. So, uh, the czar, like having set it all up, had to sit there and just basically, Hold the door, hold the door closed, and we're like, "Hey, somebody, will, somebody will do that for you, And he's like, "No, nope, I set this up, you know." No good deed. No perfect. That's on me. No good deed. Uh, who's the yeah. perfect person in your life to have an extra set of shitty golf clubs? Uh, me. Okay. I Great. Think, I think I'd want to be uh, to be in position to always be able to go get. If, you, if you're like, hey, I, I want to play golf, but I don't have any, like, I want to have the extra club so I can, I can get you out on the course with me. Perfect. How about a coin with heads on both sides? Perfect person in your life to have that. Oh. Um, you know, I'm so drawn to uncle. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like uncle that does some magic or whatever, but... <gasps> Yeah, I think I want it to be. I mean, I, I was gonna say like my bookie, but then I'm like, no, 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 no. Right, no, you want a more up and up guy like then. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I just I want it to be like Benjamin Eckstein's dad. Okay. Like, like he, he sets lines in Vegas is what he does. He sets oh, Griff, lines Griff, every, Griff's Griff yeah, Eckstein's yeah. dad, right? Uh, it, uh, well, no, I, I well his name. Oh, Griffin. Griffin is is. His dad is Benjamin. Okay, gotcha. And his dad. Like, okay. And I'm like, I want his dad because what I was thinking is, I, I sorry, but so for people that are, Griffin Eckstein, friend of TJ and I's, a uh, great guy, now lives in California. His father, Benjamin Eckstein, sets lines in Las Vegas, and then I was like, I wanted to go one great. step, like to to whoever the patriarch was that was even more because uh, I, Benjamin Eckstein went. Um, what it, it Griffin said, it was great. He had a great line where, uh, uh, like, I said something on on about sports, and he came at me like hard about like we're gonna have a wager and we do this and bet on this and that and, that and the other. And 
so uh so griffin uh after his dad came in and just challenges me to this like hard wager like <laughs> he goes man my dad just came in and went all uncut gems on you like, in, in 20 seconds there. I, I, if there's another iteration beyond that, I'm giving the guy the double-headed point. Um, two more for you. Who who in your life do you want to have stuntman confidence? You, boy. Um, I don't know. Not not a pilot. <laughs> I mean, we could all use like a Cliff Booth in our life, though. I was just, I just was rewatching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess, just uh, one of my best friends. Just have one of them, like, be totally, totally confident. And just nail it. Oh, Great. That's what I want. And last one: who, uh, who's the perfect person in your world to have a passport on them always? Uh, I'm going to say my friend, like Brian Spaley, like, I feel like he's a guy that just at least occasionally, maybe because I did a, a, an almost impromptu Europe trip with him one time, like, um, but he, he's a guy that, I mean, he's got two kids now, so who knows if he would, if he would do <laughs> just it get as much now, but I, he's a guy that I could see like on a Friday being like, Hey, do you want to go to, you know, Rio for the weekend? Be like, sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. That was the last one. All righty. We've talked a, a fair amount of uh, about um, about Gary Oldman, but I want to focus on his last name, Old Man, okay. here. And um, here's the situation. Um, you run into 18-year-old version of TJ. Okay. Uh, and 18-year-old version of TJ needs to stay at your house for a week. Okay. And it doesn't blow up the space-time continuum or anything like that. Great. At the end of the week, what are three things that 18-year-old TJ is very surprised that that current TJ does? And what are three things that 18-year-old TJ is very surprised that current TJ does not do? Okay. Let's see. 18-year-old TJ. That was, that was a bad year. Um... 18-year-old TJ is pretty shocked that 48-year-old TJ doesn't drink a- at all and and really, really can't, and that he can't just house uh, a, a large pizza by himself a- anymore and has no desire, desire to. Um, 18-year-old TJ is very surprised that 48-year-old TJ has had or had a career in television and tiny little roles in movies and doesn't want to do that. Doesn't want to do that anymore. <laughs> um, and is he more surprised about the career or the, or the not wanting to do it anymore? He's 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 shocked by both. He's like, "What? Wait a minute! What the fuck happened? This happened, and like it worked out, and you don't seem to want to do that. Like, what? What is what? What is wrong?" But he's like, "Also, you don't drink, so maybe you're all maybe you're all messed up, man. Maybe you just like." Maybe you got a tumor, you know, in your brain tumor. Um, he's also 18-year-old TJ is surprised that 48-year-old TJ uh, is uh, gardens uh, and really, really, really enjoys gardening. Mm-hmm. That seems like... Uh, I don't think 18-year-old TJ would be surprised that 
68-year-old TJ did that, but 48 seems a little bit young to be so old a man. Um, It's now, like, I remember me at 18, so it'll be a little bit, you know, I'll have to say, based on my lifestyle now, what I'm surprised at, that 18-year-old TJ does, that he doesn't get up and go to anything ever. Um, That seems, that's kind of surprising and a bit depressing that the kid just won't get out of bed and won't go do things he said he was actually going to do um i'm surprised that his confidence though he's a much more uh self-assured um uh, person uh so i'm 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 kind of surprised by by that um and that oh he would look forward 18 year old gg looks forward to chances to speak in front of people and thinks he can like write poems really good and wants people to hear them. And, uh, you know, like as, uh, as, um, like a, a desire to have his words heard more than, uh, than 48 year old TJ would. Yeah. Yeah. Are there some things that 48 year old TJ is doing that 18 year old TJ is like, Oh, I, I would have thought you would have stopped that by now. I'm a little surprised. Ooh, um, maybe that I'm is still like, no, I think I, I would have still thought I was like way into the like Red Sox and stuff. Um, I'm surprised you're still doing that. Oh, that you like talk to yourself in stupid voices and, you know, like, and stuff like that, that you like talk to yourself, but not like, like dumb, goofy, you know, um, not like to work something out and stuff, but like sing stupid songs with yourself as the main character, you know, like, I can't believe I do so much laundry, you know, stuff like, stuff like (laughs) that, that like, you're still doing that. Um, and probably doing that more. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe more so. (laughs) Uh, oh, and still playing ball Dur- during uh, during quarantine. I definitely my, yeah. <laughs> my amount of like odd, you know, conversations with myself out loud have gone up. Yeah, sure. um, that I'm still uh, playing ball. I still like have my you know my bat and mitt and stuff like that, and still getting together and and doing stuff like that. I think I'd be a little bit surprised that I didn't. Not that I, you know, I knew how much I loved it, but that I'd still physically be able to and want to or whatever that you know might be surprised at, at the end of that week what's your conversation with beth like about 18 year old tj um kids rough uh kids got some shit to figure out either there there's a there's a train a coming and he's standing on the tracks and <laughs> there uh but he's a nice kid he's got a good sense of humor you know like um friendly enough um, but has, yeah, is going to have some, going to have some, some work to do, um, on himself to kind of get to where, uh, you know, probably a good house guest, right? Like probably. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Very, I didn't, very polite, very friendly. Funny. Yeah. Didn't make too much messes, like kind of ordered out and threw out his, you know, like didn't want to put you out of joint by like, you didn't ask like, Hey, what are we having for dinner? You know, just like would walk down to the end of the street and grab, you know, three burritos at, you know, me Fogata and then you know, the papers would end up in the garbage and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. it was up way late. Like, you know, maybe the TV was a little too loud and it's four in the morning, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, if anything was, was 
off-putting. It was it was that, but it was great with like a pet, you know, nice to animals and uh, and stuff like that. And yeah, and really, really, he loved Beth. Thought Beth was great, super fun, great, great pair. Um, so yeah, he was. He's not an asshole. He's hopefully, just, uh, yeah. hopefully, you stole his suspenders. Yeah, out of his bag. oh god, the way I would dress, man, banded collars. Suspenders. If if it if it was a belt, the belt matched the suspenders. It was. Oh god, it was ridiculous. Whew. But you're supposed to be right. I mean, we're all supposed to look back in that at that time and be like, "God, what was I doing?" Yeah. But like people, I I don't know. Like my dad was dressing like, you know, leisure leisure suit or or whatever in the '60s. That seemed like a cool time to be. Like bell bottoms and wide collar shirts don't seem as embarrassing as some of the stuff that came our way in the eighties. That seemed like that was a a ripe time to look back on yourself as looking foolish. Yeah, because even if you got way into grunge in the nineties, like so what it was a flannel and jeans and like well like work boots or whatever it was like that that that's that's fine you know like yeah we we had some odd fads. Uh, sometimes I think like. When the economy is going really well, that's like a dangerous time for okay. fashion. Because people are just going to lose their minds <laughs> and like, like start, com- start companies about anything. So. Hammer hammer pants and shirts that change color when they're wet. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. Here's, here's the last one for you, Rush. Uh, Martin Luther's 95 Theses were meant to challenge the Catholic Church's practice of indulgences, which was the practice of charging people for forgiveness. So if you went to... Um, um, I'm forgetting the name of the sacrament right now. You go to confession, um, you would be charged money. So here's the situation, Rush. When you start Howellism, you thought bringing indulgences back might be a good way to keep some bucks rolling in. So you call a meeting of all your branch managers to get the cost of some sins standardized. I'm going to name some sins for you, and I'd like you to give me the price that was settled on at the meeting, at the Howellism meeting. Cool? Nice. Great. This is how we're going to bring in the cash. Yeah, get a little little coin, you know. And, you know, I guess you also also want to keep it affordable or appropriate to the sin. Um, Mm -hmm. Road rage. One incident, road rage. Um, Screaming, screaming from the car, not getting out and doing any, any damage, but just flipping off and screaming, screaming awful stuff. $50. $50. 50 bucks. You, gotta, you pay 50 bucks for that to get absolved of that screaming. Shoplifting meat under two pounds. Just give us the meat. Okay. Surrender to meat. <laughs> <laughs> Shoplifting meat over five pounds. Oh, uh, that, see, now that's now you've gone too far. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say $100. Okay. How about uh, you're playing tennis? You call a ball out that you knew was in. Oh, good one! Yeah, that's really at the at the core of our uh, teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, please, <laughs> please, uh, if you're going to call your own lines, like, get it right. Um, I think that's twenty five dollars. Twenty five bucks. Uh, giving someone a bad haircut out of revenge. Oh, wow. Yeah. How, I, I'm going to say like $500. I don't think that one's going to come up that often. No, so it won't. We, we, need to, we need to rake in a few bucks when it happens. That road rate, we're going to make a lot of money on the road rate. Okay. Um, impure thoughts for uh, a half an hour, and the thought stream was very vivid. 
uh, a dollar. Okay, know, great. And, and then we'll, we'll, we'll still make millions. Robbing someone while also setting something else on fire. Wow. I mean, first of all, I'm kind of impressed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like ambidextrous. <laughs> um, I don't know, $10,000? Mm, $10,000, okay. Carjacking, but it was a prank. Mm, I don't like. I don't like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna say five thousand. Okay, what's carjacking? Not a prank. I think excommunication. Okay, great. Um, accidentally terrifying children by how you present yourself. You've been told before that you have this effect on children, but you didn't do anything different. Okay. Uh, man. I mean, it's, it's just you being you. So I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know, but, I, but you've been I, warned, I, you know? Like. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess like, I we're going to make that like exponential, right? So first offense is a penny. Okay. And then you're, you're going to add, you're going to add a zero. Okay. So if, if look, if you've scared kids five times, like stop scaring kids, Yeah. you know, like stop doing it. So at that point you're up to a hundred bucks, then it's a thousand and it's 10,000. It really spiral out of control. Yeah. That got me like, that could become super caught. That's highly incentivized in this person to change their ways. Um, last one. Uh, selling COVID-designed uh, beach balls uh, on Florida beaches. Like the beach ball itself it's, looks like the... Has somebody done that? I don't oh, know. It not, just looks... Yeah, it like, looks it's not like, like... They didn't coat it with COVID. No. It, it's just... It looks just like the COVID. ball looks like... Is designed to look like the virus. It's like gray with, you know, those red things. Yeah, I, I'm not going to fine you for that. I mean... Okay, like, okay. That's just idi- idiotic and, and, you know, disrespectful, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, that, that person's probably not going to last long in the Church of Howell anyway. This Howellism is going to make some make some coin, baby. Yeah, the road rage, I think, is where we're going to make yeah. the most there. <laughs> they, yeah, these obviously weren't the most common of sins. You know, it's right. just, yeah, it was just... There's a lot of road rage, though, just clipping off, you know, somebody... People that drive a lot are going to have to come in and drop out oh. 200 bucks a week. Oh, know? yeah. Oh, it's even it's even if you just scream inside your car, you know, like <laughs> God, God hears it. So, oh yeah, right, the God of Howlism, God of Howlism hears everything. <laughs> That's right. All right, so we're back where we started. Okay. And so it, at uh, at Princeton University, um, everyone has to write a thesis, and you have this kind of awesome opportunity that probably most people don't take full advantage of which is you have uh, usually like a professor who is one of the leaders in the world and in that field. And you can basically pick anything you want and you can come up with any topic that's interesting to you. And it's a, it's a major project. You know, you're going to have to do hundreds of hours of research and writing and and your thesis is probably going to be somewhere between 50 and 200 pages. And so here's the situation. You have a school that doesn't have to be Princeton, wherever it is that, that it has a setup like that and you get to go there today at 48, you know, uh, with whatever you're interested in and you have unlimited access to, uh, research libraries and facilities and you have access to one, um, thesis advisor, 
who is a total expert in that field, and I'm going to let you pick who that person is. Okay. Um, either specifically or generically. Okay. And I want to know what you would what you would choose to write about, and we can you know take a path through a couple of different topics that you would think about, and then whittle it down to the one you go with, or however you want to do it. So here's here's what I think I would do. Um, I think I would basically lay out. Um, and we did come back to where, to where I I thought, um, either a full workable long con or heist. Uh, so like pick the, you know, the original declaration of independence here is step-by-step everything of the way of how I would get into out of, you know, like what, what would need to be done, what would have to be planned for, how many people I would need to help and how I would go about, you know, finding them. And then, you know, this happens at this time, this happens at this time. Here's the, the blue, here's blueprints. Here are like full out times of I've obtained their, you know, the security schedule. This is the kind of technology that protects it. Um, so whatever the item was, I would, um, like, Get it to the point where I think, like, if this was followed soup to nuts, you would actually be walking out of someplace with the Gutenberg Bible, you know, the 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 foot long stick from the British Museum of Science or, you know, what whatever the thing is. Um, or if it was a long con, here's how I would, you know, the things that I would literally put in position over the course of five years or whatever to pull to pull this this off um but i'd want my um professor who who do you hand a thesis to your thesis advisor okay i'd want my thesis advisor at the end to be like god damn i think this is gonna i think this works i actually think this works and who who do you get to do that you get like a uh you get like Frank Abagnale. Right, you know, yeah. I guess that's the first can type guy. Like yeah. somebody who's, who's previously done that sort of work and they, they assess how good your heist uh, right. strategy is. Like if Ricky Jay was still alive or you know, or yeah, Frank Abagnale, um someone someone like I guess there I guess you don't know the names of the ones who have done it well. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I think there's still an unsolved uh, art heist. Um, I think a Boston museum had like three Rembrandts walked off with or two Rembrandts walked off with that I believe is still unsolved. Um, yeah, I like how you're like, I think it was three Rembrandts. I believe, it's, I believe they haven't caught the person. And hypothetically, I might come up with a situation in which I certainly uh, did, did a great art heist. Now, I haven't done that in the past yeah and if anyone is interested in buying rembrandts that you cannot display (laughs) anywhere but in the privacy of your own home and have no one ever over to see them then here's the situation podcast at (laughs) gmail.com so yeah i think that i think that's something i could dig into put it put a a good amount of time in and find it you know kind of compelling uh, each step of each step of the way I, i think i think i would do that it would be fun to read that, uh, that 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 thesis then at the end and see, you know, because the way those work is you you do drafts of them along the way. So you'd be working with this, uh, you know, this whatever heist master, you know, <laughs> for, former former 
bank robber. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, well, you have a big problem with the security wire here. So right. you're going to have to redo that whole We're thing. Like, yeah, you know, right. Here's, here's where they caught me. Um, you got to redo page 43. It's uh, doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's motion sensors all over that. All over that room. That's, <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, that was your situation. Thanks to Nate, Julie, Emily. Thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to uh, to submit any kind of situations for uh, for us to put as part of the podcast, uh, the aforementioned here's the situation podcast at gmail.com. Anything else, Rush? No. I look forward to uh, to. to- seeing you guys or listening to you or hearing from you or whatever again in the near future